song you just heard is Dog of War by the Hell Yeah Babies, which means I'm Nick Bond. I'm David Gibb. And this is how wrestling explains another sensational episode today, Dave. S- some would say an essential one. Yeah, essential viewing. I, I I thought it was pretty sensational how I just popped the shit out of the B on my last name right there. That's going to sound awful. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for the actual episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, this one's going to be a weird one because we picked five matches. And one of them is good. Actually, no, I think it's a really good match, but it's a very of-its-time match. And the other five are okay matches, except for the first one, which is um, her championship match slash debut in the WWF against Fabulous Mula. She wins the ladies' or women's championship in probably the least good match we've ever watched for this show it's um it's like a 12 minute segment on the wwe network it feels a lot longer and that's almost all moolah's fault yeah we we talked in the first episode somewhat abstractly about like moolah kind of maintaining things at a certain level and i think that if you watch this match that's really laid bare like immediately there's like no shine in this match meaning there's no period at the beginning where this brand new baby face the crowd has never seen before gets to like move around and get to show off their stuff that never happens they go like straight into a hammerlock like it's brutal like the way that she is controlling the match and pacing the match and sherry never actually gets any like righteous fired up babyface offense until arguably immediately before the finish and even that's kind of weak but like the whole time she's either just like feeding into getting cut off by moolah or she's like returning moolah's heel tactics to her she's never getting to do like solid babyface stuff and it's like just a Great example of just like a an old-time, mean-spirited wrestler in control of the match. There's almost nothing good about this match, including the commentary. I think the, it, it's hurt by the commentary, at least the one they have in the network, which is uh, Monsoon, who's doing Monsoon things, and Jimmy Hart. And they, they just kind of don't click, which is rare for Monsoon. One of Monsoon's real gifts is that he can work with anybody. But this match, they just don't know what to do with it. Because they kind of know that Moolah's making it look bad because she's pissed about, presumably pissed about losing the title. They don't come out and say that or anything like it, but there's this idea that they're kind of confused as to how to describe the crowd reaction, which is a function of Moolah being a dick. Like, Moolah not, as as you said, letting sherry at any point get any kind of flow going any kind of righteous fury or or any kind of uh exciting anything going it's just her constantly trying to survive against a wily veteran but in a way that it feels like she's being told what to do in order to survive all of the little traps that Moo is trying to set yeah definitely i agree 100 percent. it's like that she's just barely like wriggling off of moolah's hook and that's all that she gets and like i said like you said it's like the lack of righteous fury it's like moolah rakes her face and then she builds towards raking moolah's face back which like what's good for the goose is good for the gander that's definitely like a certainly a kind of mid to late 80s early 90s match was very much built around that structure but when this is a brand new baby face who is ostensibly about to win the world title it's it's just 
it's just not good enough. And like you said, the announcers are in this spot where like Gorilla Monsoon has known Mula for like 20, 30 plus years. And like she and he were both closely aligned with Vince Sr. And like he's in this position where either out of friendship or professional respect, he's trying really, really hard to put her over. But like it doesn't line up with what you're seeing in the ring because with all due respect, she literally looks like my grandmother. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that dissonance. Like we've talked about in the past. I keep going back to the Arn Anderson, uh, the first episode of Essential Viewing where we kept saying with like the Mid-Atlantic and Crockett stuff where you're just constantly like, God, the way the commentary and the match sync up is so perfect and it's so magical and it makes everything better. This is like the opposite. I agree that this was dissonant where it was like, Monsoon like seemed like he had some obligation to put over the greatness of Moolah and Hart was frankly like just grating, yet yeah, not great. And the ending does isn't is weird. It's it's almost like it's a fluke, like it wasn't supposed to happen, but it clearly was supposed to happen because it's so reminiscent. I compared her to Hogan. I said, like if Hogan was an actual evil person, I don't even think it's that. I think if Hogan had McMahon's power that's what you get with Mula. It's it's really, she's just not doing what she's supposed to in a match. And she doesn't let the other performer get over, which makes no sense at all in any match, but especially a match where this is presumably the person that you're going to get a return match against, first of all. Like, there are just so many things that you can tell the ways in which she was short-sighted over and over and i don't mean that like euphemistically i mean like she could only she could never see the forest from the trees in terms of getting over the next generation it was like she thought she was going to be there forever and that's just not a possible thing and you can watch her literal stranglehold on the division in this match it's very uh, you that part is almost euphemistic. It's like very clearly saying, like in a meta way, this is what she's doing to the women's women's wrestling, not the women's division. Women's wrestling in the United States. It's it's kind of a depressing match. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping it would be more fun. I was hoping that we would see more from Sherry. This is a good look at one of the benefits of like Vince McMahon's huge takeover of wrestling. And I mean, he was very close with Mula till her dying day. Like, don't get me wrong. But I think that, you know, as you said, she was kind of the Vern Gagne of 50% of the world's population. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like she wasn't just the Vern Gagne of the AWA. She was the Vern Gagne of women. Like Vern Gagne losing, or sorry, Vern Gagne winning his retirement match, winning the title in your retirement match. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just that kind of old school wrestling hubris, which is, really ugly and hard to watch because it reminds you of the kind of I don't know today wrestling is very positive and it's very actively about entertainment and we've talked about the pros and cons of that recently but there's definitely nothing worse than paying money to see an insincere performance from someone who like doesn't care about the entertaining the fans aspect of the business at all and that's I think what you saw here, like that was the last priority in this match, even though it was a title change, even though it was someone's debut, like, you know, that if there were 10 objectives, that was number 11. Yeah. I do, I think it was actively something she wanted to avoid. And it's, it's also a matter of her just not having really, it, Sherry after this doesn't really have any competition. That's good. I, and uh, there, at least in the, 
WWF. And we talked about this a while back during the Survivor Series Essential Viewings. There are existent good women's wrestlers, the Jumping Bomb Angels in particular, who I'm thinking of. They exist, it's just they're not allowed to show off what they can actually do. It's super depressing to contextualize this happening in the beginning of 87, and then at, in a later in 87, you have this awesome match, and you're just like, this. we could have done this. You could have had the Jumping Bomb Angels be here. And it just feels really upsetting in the context of now especially like if this were 1998 and you're watching this i think you have a different viewpoint you're like yeah this sucks because it sucks like wrestling like like old a old wrestling was way worse in our eyes i think because that we talk about always having to entertain they always had to shock you during that era where like it's i think this is a bad match i think it is not the worst match of moolah's career um which is saying a lot but there's just there's almost no redeeming quality. But at the same time, I think it's a really essential match for people to see. It's a match you have to watch to understand why women's wrestling took so long to get going in a meaningful way. Yeah, I really couldn't agree more. I was about to say almost exactly the same thing. Like, if you want to understand why it took so long, you have to watch this and understand that that was concurrent with Hulk freaking Hogan. The next match we're going to talk about is... Uh, a match that is equal, the performers that she has to work with are probably were, or at least her direct competitor who is uh, Sapphire. It's Dusty and Sapphire versus Savage and Sherry from WrestleMania six in the Sky Dome. <sighs> Sapphire is the worst worker I have ever seen. <laughs> this match suffered from, from some bad wrestling and some like criminally, bad psychology but yeah i guess we can start by talking about the bad wrestling she literally gives her what they call an airplane spin which is like a samoan drop with a quarter turn uh yeah it's (laughs) i wouldn't even call it a samoan drop i would call it like a fiji island drop like i don't want to samoa has a special place in wrestling history um that was (laughs) that was the best thing she did in the match, too. That's the crazy part. Uh, there is literally, literally a part where Sapphire stands in the middle of the ring and keeps hip-checking Cherry, and Cherry just bumps like she's being clotheslined like JBL in his prime. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's the big shine spot for Sapphire, too. That's, like, right at the beginning of the match. That's her That's her big fired-up introduction to the crowd. No, it's wild because, like, this match is all about bumping Sherry, both in the sense that, like, Sherry needs to find decent stuff to do with Sapphire because she's the baby face and Sherry's a devoted heel. But what makes it really crazy is like all of that is working against like the underlying psychology of the match, which is that Dusty wants to bump Sherry, which is weird because you've got the like baby face dude wanting to bump the woman and like Monsoon and Jesse do a big long job laying out at the beginning very clearly that like it's supposed to be men versus men and women versus women and they make a big deal out of it. And then immediately Savage jumps into uh, Rhodes's like bear hug and bear hug or, and, uh, and Dusty tosses 
Savage right in to uh, to Sherry bumping her. So like they do this whole thing about the rules are men versus men, women versus women. And then immediately like the big baby face guy like bumps the woman and the whole rest of the match is about him gleefully getting opportunities to knock her down. It's, I understand from a personnel standpoint why you have to have Dusty do almost all of the work offensively even if it involves Sherry and you can also understand why of all of the women maybe in the history of wrestling outside of China Sherry is the one that would be most likely to be the person you would put in that situation she'd probably be the best at it Uh, I think better than China definitely having said that it really doesn't make sense because he's the baby face like it doesn't make any sense for him to be doing the stuff he's doing Because in the match, Sherry doesn't do enough dastardly stuff to have that work. Now, you can say if you've been following the storyline for closely, but even the pretty long preview they should, they they did the normal video package before this. It's not like you're like, oh, yeah, she deserves to get just obliterated. It's not like he did something, she did something terrible to Dustin Rose. You know what I'm saying? There's no real animosity beyond them not liking each other which sounds silly but it's there's no this isn't a blood feud and he's treating it like he wants to in real life he probably wanted to have her take bumps because he knows she's good at them and he knows it'll make him look good but in the storyline it doesn't make any sense because he's supposed to be the good guy and we talked about sherry being having sherry had the ability to make it okay for her to be thrown around by the male performers which can be taboo in certain situations because she gave as good as she got and that was part of the storyline is that she will mess you up and we'll get to this later with uh, colonel parker like they love how stiff sherry is like sherry is it, it you don't worry about sherry in these situations but at the same time it's like Dusty shouldn't be acting like that because at the very least he should be going for Savage, who is his actual person he's supposed to be challenging. Yeah, and it just plays and it just blows my mind too that they just made such a point of emphasis on the commentary to make a big deal out of the beginning about saying the men won't touch the women. They like went out of their way to say it, to instantly have the baby face be the first one. It blew my mind. It was just like the match the match producer or agent and the person producing the announcers never talked to each other. Like it had that vibe, which is like rare in the WWF, you know? Having said that, I think Sherry does a really good job in this match. Like Sherry is worth watching. I think, I don't think this is a bad match in the way Sherry Mula is. I think it's a bad match in the way that like, uh, it's a much more digestible version of, say, the triple-decker Doomsday Cage from Uncensored 95 or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Or 96. So the the match that I thought of this as is, like, if you if you think of WrestleMania now, and I'm going to name some, like, really big names here, and people are probably going to be knee-jerk mad at me, but this reminds me of, like, the Chris Jericho-AJ Styles match or the Chris Jericho-Kevin Owens match where you've just got, like, performers who like their acts are over and they are good and like they have a feud and a storyline and like it's not a great storyline but it's a storyline and you got them to wrestlemania and they have their match like in the what first third of the card it like it really reminded me of one of those matches today yeah it's about getting savage and dusty and sherry on the card and if sapphire has to come along that's fine we'll figure out something for her to do and it also liz we haven't even mentioned liz is involved in this match and 
you said something really funny when we were talking about it before the show about the way that they looked when Sapphire was being consoled by Liz outside the ring. Oh yeah, that was really bizarre. There, there's a spot towards the, where they're getting towards the finish where they go on the outside. And I think Savage, if I'm correct, gives Sapphire a little bit of a shove and like she, she falls down and takes a bump on the outside and Elizabeth rushes over to comfort her and there's this shot, they do this two shot where it's just Liz and Sapphire with like the post behind them, the, the turnbuckle, the, the pillar behind them. And it's really bizarre. It struck me that like neither of them look like wrestlers, that like they're, this is a wrestling match. You can tell by the setting that they're in wrestling. You can tell that they're part of the entertainment, so to speak, because the camera's focused on them. But like Liz doesn't look like a wrestler and Sapphire doesn't look like a wrestler. And there's this really long two shot of Liz consoling Sapphire. And it's supposed to be this really sweet moment. But once again, I thought this was like really dissonant in a way that, that, you know, kind of golden age WWF is typically regarded as knowing better than. Yeah. The other thing with that, and, and I think part of the reason they don't look like wrestlers is they're so small. Like Sapphire isn't, Jesse keeps making mentions about her weight and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm pretty sure, and I understand there's a huge size difference, that uh, Sherry's like has to be 50 pounds heavier than Sapphire. She's like twice the size of Sapphire. So I think it's kind of weird to be like, she's a fatty when she's just a really small middle-aged woman. Like it's not, they, it's very weird the way that Jesse tries to get over on Sapphire and I feel like that's also the other part of it is that neither nobody involved in this match feels like Sapphire should be involved in this way at all. It no one wa- no one wants Sapphire to be there, but not because they don't like her, but because they know it's kind of she's she's bad. Like it, there's no other way to, but she's just bad at this, and that's not her job. She's not a wrestler. She's a fan who got. A managing job yeah it's really crazy you say that because i mean like even dusty right like even dusty in this match seems like he wants like it's supposed to be man versus man and woman versus woman like i keep saying like he wants all of sherry's heat like even he is like no sapphire you can stand next to me but you don't get none of that you know what i mean like he seems like determined to make sure that he gets all of savage's heat and all, and all of Sherry's. Uh, yeah, at no point in that match do you have to ask, where's Dusty? Like, you always know where Dusty is, which is center frame. He's... This is, I think, a less essential viewing of a match in terms of the history of wrestling and more of a, a thing you should watch to see how good Sherry is because she really goes above and beyond in this match. It's... It's like a, a in a weird way. It reminds me another match. It reminds me of is the Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather in the sense that she does all the professional wrestling shit you're supposed to do when the person you're working with isn't a professional wrestler. She does all of it. She does it all of it really well and gets over in a way that nobody else does. Like I think after the match, you are the most you most enjoy Cherry's presence throughout the entire match. Where like Savage is kind of stuck between he can't touch Sapphire and Dusty keeps going after Sherry. So Sherry's getting a lot of the the shine in the match. I, I wouldn't call it shine, but the like glow, the Dusty glow in the match. She's in the center frame along with Dusty a lot more than she would be otherwise. And I think it makes Dusty look bad. And I think it makes Sherry look good. Like this is another match. And I don't think she gets over at the expense of anybody else. She just shines through in a match that isn't about her, but she ends up being the best part of. 
Yeah, and I think that's really evident in the finish. Uh, like the the finish in this match is like what on OSW review they always refer to as like the jock and nerd spot, like the tabletop, where Sherry gets distracted arguing with Liz and Sapphire sneaks behind her on all fours, and then Liz gets up on the apron and gives her a shove, and she takes a you know like a bump into getting rolled up or whatever, and that and that's the finish. What just the the way that she does it once again, it's a it's a bad finish, especially for I mean. It's a bad finish for a WrestleMania match, but it's also a very WrestleMania finish where like very Chekhov's gunny, you know what I mean? Like if someone's there, obviously they're involved in the finish or they wouldn't be there, dummy. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, why well, give them a WrestleMania paycheck if they're not going to be involved in the outcome of the match they're involved in? It doesn't make any sense. Right, right. But I guess I get to use the, the wrestling ease. Like I think that uh, Sherry really does make some chicken salad here where like, it's a bad finish. It's a bad match. It's a bad position to be in. But as you say, I think that even if Dusty is the main character, so to speak, in this match, she's the most important person because, like, Dusty is relying on her to get over. All of his pops are for bumping her. Like, she is the center of this match. And just like a, a, a great heel, she fucking gets embarrassed with a, a bad finish that would, you know kill a lesser performer's heat and then she she like it, 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 she's still there she's still whole you know what i mean it, it it really is a it's like a it's like a i can't i don't even know who to who to compare it to it's like a tour de force performance in a really bad movie that's exactly what it's like it's like an oscar nominated performance uh, oscar worthy performance in a really bad movie she she is so good she makes sapphire's pin look good while she's getting pinned like it's She's so, I don't mean to get that excited. It's just so great to watch somebody be so good at their job. She's so, she really is like, in terms of her performance relative to what she was given, she's probably the best performer we've talked about other than, it's like her and Arn, as far as I'm concerned. She's absolutely incredible. She makes a pin that the person pinning her can't, does not understand how to pin someone work just with her on her like neck rolling around trying to get out of it it's it's awesome yeah it's especially awesome in contrast if you watch that earlier moolah match because the finish of that match is um moolah goes to suplex her into the ring and she falls crossbody across her one two three like classic like 80s wrestling spot but like moolah makes it look really bad and like you can you can tell that she's in control and like you can blatantly no matter i i think even if you were a kid to be honest you can blatantly see that she's like rolling sherry through on top of her and like it, it just looks bad but in this match like you said not the case taking someone who who doesn't know a thing you know about wrestling practically and, and actually you know making them look competent and you know giving a satisfying finish because like I don't know. It's like I, when celebrities are involved in the finish of matches, you can have the Hugh Jackman one, which was like a big fired up moment. Or it's like you can also have like Snooki's very slow, pretty good cartwheel. And and this was like this was on the Hugh Jackman end of the scale. On the opposite end of that, you have the Savage Warrior match from the following year at the Los angeles memorial coliseum right they were at the coliseum and at the arena across the street that held like one fifth the amount of people right I, I didn't confuse those two. Oh wait there was a bomb threat right yeah there was a someone threatened to blow the place up because they heard they were selling so few tickets <laughs> 
Uh, it's yeah, like it's, it's Savage Warrior, which is one of the first great WrestleMania matches in the sense of being a both a good match at WrestleMania and what a WrestleMania match, quote unquote, or emboldened or italicized would end up coming out to be. And I think Sherry's role, which is as the the added weight to balance out the disparity between Savage and Warrior, is I don't want to say it's her best performance, but it's it's a great performance of someone where and this is an analogy we used last episode, uh, Draymond Green, when he has a game where he has like 10 rebounds and like 14 assists and six points and five blocks, and you're like, he was the best player out there. That's, she was, I, I think all three of them do a really great job, but she's really good at being that Chekhov's gun you're talking about, but in an actual effective way. Yeah, you know, I think in this storyline, if you look back over it and how it evolved, I highly recommend the uh, OSW review episodes from this stretch of pay-per-view time. They're some of the, their best stuff. Um, but if you, if you watch how this angle evolved, I think that Sherry really got more out of Warrior than Savage did from a character perspective. There's the, um, the Jay Hunter promo, I guess I always refer to it as, where like, uh, she is like kneeling down in front of Ultimate Warrior and basically saying like anything, I'll do anything if you don't if you don't fight Randy Savage. And she's like trying to kiss his ass, and it it really did put him over as being just really different. Like here's this person implying that they'll do anything, and he's just like kind of Frankenstein, disinterested in it, and all focused on on you know what I mean on the task at hand. It's it's really interesting. I don't know that. Savage had the wild man thing and I, I, you know, warrior had kind of the cosmic wild man thing. And I don't think that those two characters could have a conversation, but with Sherry as the go between, I think those two had a very effective dialogue. That promo works also to lead into her involvement in the actual match. There is an implication that. Because of the implication. <laughs> uh there yeah there's there, there's that implication but also that i think cherry only works with winners right and i think she thinks that savage is great but warrior is something that no matter how great savage is he's such a force that she feels compelled to in a way that she ends up being thrown in front of the mirror. She's kind of, this is a point where she's willing to throw herself in front of the bus of the ultimate warrior to prevent him from destroying Savage because she does think outside of warrior, basically that he's pretty great, right? Like the, this is, they break uh spoiler alert. They break up at the end of the match. She, she goes off. She beats the shit out of him uh, for losing to warrior, but it, that one feels different than when, and we'll talk about this in a minute uh, when she screws over sting. Like it doesn't seem. it seems like she's pissed because they had a good thing going and he couldn't finish the job, but she also like knows that was a possibility because of all the things she tried to do to get between Savage and Warrior. It's, it's really masterfully done though, where it's like she she really beats the crap out of him and it looks great and it's really nasty. And she's still, like I said, the baddest bitch on the planet. You know what I mean? She like walks away. But then you still like, what do people remember? They remember the Savage and Liz getting back together moment as this like it, it's just so interesting like people 
remember this really, really tender moment, but they like don't really necessarily remember the part where it's like, I, where the, I, I don't know how to say it necessarily, but it's like, she, it's, it's a masterful effort that she set it up so well that we almost don't remember she was there. It's like the, the, the basketball game with the great referee that it's like, you have this great tender moment with Savage and Liz, but one of the reasons it was so savage, or sorry, one of the reasons it was so memorable uh, is because like he had just gotten beaten up by the evil woman who he had ostensibly left her for. And then she runs that woman off to like assert her, once again, her pure regulating undying love for him. And people remember the moment of them being reconnected is so sweet that they like forget that five minutes earlier he was this heel it's crazy how good she was at facilitating that transition she's that corrupting force for savage and they want to root for savage especially after the effort he puts in that match or i don't want to say they want to root for savage but there's always been a connection with the crowd and savage because he's he's great He's one of the greatest performers of all time. So there's always this, why can't you be for us? And Liz was that, in the same way that Sherry is the connection between Warrior, the conduit between Warrior and Savage, Liz is the conduit between Savage and the crowd. She's the one that allows him to be a good guy and want to work hard for the crowd's if not approval, then appreciation. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously maybe deep down um, in real life, emotionally, he wanted their approval, but like, he just liked their appreciation. The character like wants to be appreciated by the people that he's watching, that are watching him perform. And she kind of facilitates that and allows him to believe he has value almost. We're like, Sherry's kind of an abuse, not abusive in the traditional sense, but she's such an, an enabler of his bad habits that she's a she's a succubus yeah i mean she, she's portrayed as being like a succubus here and like i said his his legitimate like caring pure wife runs her off like you said he has this undeniable connection with the crowd and like the crowd makes him feel good and that's where he gets his energy but like sherry has perverted and misdirected that so that like the the energy is between he and her instead of him and the crowd you know what i mean where like she has like perverted or misdirected this in this like like i said demonic evil you know chauvinistic uh mis uh, you know uh, like all the all the all the bad things that dudes do when they write women uh she she's all those things uh and and then like the pureness of of elizabeth is there like as the redemptive force to some degree yeah she I like that you put that it's, it is, uh, that character type is misogynistic in a lot of other things, but she does it so well that it transcends that, where she's actually a shit heel. Like, she actually is a bad guy, a bad, uh, like an evil person, a, a bad girl. I don't want to, that is a different connotation, but you know what I'm saying? Like, she's an actual villain, and it works in the way that, like, Cruella DeVille works. It's just, yeah, definitely. That's a great comparison. Where it's just like, no, yeah, that's I'm that there are a lot of things about that character that are gendered, but she transcends it by embodying those things in a meaningful way that speak to and and obviously you can get into a lot of postmodern theory stuff with like looking at Liz and Sherry and the differences between the two in terms of who's virtuous and who's not, but 
they also go past that and just make her a bad guy in the context of wrestling, like inarguably a heel because she does heal things. And a lot of the time it backfires on her eventually, but she's a really, she's a real, um, like she's really advantageous to have on your side. She's an actual asset to whoever she is working with in a way that, again, we talked about this last time. We're going back a lot. She's, she's a great manager because of that. She's an actual great manager because she adds so much to your ability to win matches in the context of the show you're watching, like in, t- in the context of the, the, the universe of the world. That's what I was looking for. Sorry. Um, that it like makes sense that you deal with her kind of being a jerk or making you do shit you don't necessarily want to do, or you might think is a little crazy. Cause you're like, no, she's great. And she will eventually lead me to, if not the promise line, pretty fucking close. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree a hundred percent. I don't want to restate too much of the stuff that, that I said yesterday. Um, but I think, I guess if we can, uh, if we want to pivot here a little bit, I think, I think when she got to WCW, you saw them actively trying to like exploit like that. Like they clearly recognized that she had like a lot of built up capital. And like, I don't mean this in a sociopathic way. I mean this in like a way a wrestling booker would think is like, she's like one of the most useful characters. It's kind of like, like someone whose praises I always sing right now is like Selena De La Renta and MLW. And I think like the same of her is that like, She's such a useful character that if you had a promotion, you'd be a fool not to want to hire that person. And and it's cool to see in some of the WCW stuff that like she's, you know, in WWE, she was involved in all this stuff and she did great because she was great. But in WCW, it seems like you actually feel them like leaning on her to some degree and like expecting her to be great and saying like, we know that you held up stuff that, that wasn't the best in the past. Now we're going to give you stuff that we like know is a challenge that, that you can handle. It feels like a team hiring a coach that they think can help them maybe not rebuild the program, but win a couple of like conference championships. You know what I'm saying? Like she's going to get results with whoever she's working with because she understands the inside and outside of the business so well in terms of what she can, the psychology of a lot of the stuff she's doing and just how to work. She's such a great worker that anybody you put her with and anything she does is going to look somewhere between very decent and very good. And I mean, the Sting Flare match from Clash of the Champions 24 is one of the worst Sting matches I've ever seen. But not because of Sherry. It is another situation where Sherry's really great in this, especially at the end and especially in the turn that eventually leads to uh, Sting losing. It, she does a really good job of hitting her marks and doing what she's supposed to do in the match and not existing outside of that. But Sting is just, he's not, it doesn't seem like he cares that much. Actually, Nick, I don't want to correct you like a dick because I didn't know this off the top of my head, but I'm actually on the Wikipedia page right now. It's actually 27 XXVII. Uh, like I said, not correcting you as a dick, just correcting you because I have the Wikipedia page open in front of me. But yeah, that's another- Unlike your no holds barred blunder yesterday. Oh, that was that was not a, a blunder. That was, that was the truth that you weren't ready for. <laughs> 
No, but uh, here we have again, just like she finds herself in another really important moment. This is like, this is the the death of the weird, uh, the, the weird title split in WCW where there was the international title, the like recruited <laughs> title. The international t- It's like they ran out of names and they were like, uh, oh, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is when they couldn't say foreign object. They had exactly, to- exactly. That's what I was just thinking too. Like, Turner policy. That's not what that's not what foreign means in this context, but okay. But <laughs> no, but so they're they're finally merging this like weird, bastardized, totally not the NWA world heavyweight title, uh, you know, title and, and rolling it into the WCW belt, which they'd made for I think the Ron Simmons Vader feud or whatever. But like they're they're finally gonna have a unified title after shit being real weird ever since flair left and there's sherry right it's like i said this big moment where we we have the two titles we're gonna make them into one we're gonna have you know two guys who are long-standing fan favorites in this organization and we're gonna have one of them screw the pants off of the other and who better than sherry who better than sherry uh or he was sorry sorry if she was it would be sherry if she was from new jersey like canyon better than Sharon. <laughs> uh there this god uh so these last two matches we're going to talk about uh are not great um but this match rick flair is a uh, a beautiful beautiful angel sent from wrestling heaven sting is a good wrestler when he can be made to care like i said but this match is just it doesn't make any sense there's no flow to it in large part because they want to not have Sherry involved, but she's out there. And all of the spots you would normally have Sherry pop into, she doesn't get involved in. And it I, I don't want to say she distracts from it because, the again, the end of the match works really well. It's it, it builds to a fun ending, but getting to it is a real slog because Sting just doesn't he doesn't make any sense in the story he's trying to tell which is basically like he could beat any rick flair anytime he could he wants if he could just keep rick flair down for three seconds and he just like can't seem to actually put in enough isn't that how wrestling always works though (laughs) no but i mean it's it's so no no no, i'm not yeah i'm not calling you out (laughs) no but i'm saying and I, i think that's important to note though that it's it's so by the numbers that it feels like you're waiting for them to get or so by the book you're waiting to the, for them to get to like the last third of the book and they're just going through every step of like okay so he's gonna do this and then he's gonna powder but the powdering isn't sting looks fucking stupid in the match and keeps making stupid stupid mistakes not like rick flair's outsmarting him rick flair does exa- is exactly where he's supposed to be so like the story is rick flair just not being good enough to beat Sting, but Sting being so stupid, he will eventually be beaten by Ric Flair. Yeah, I think that this match, and I think I kind of hinted at it earlier when I was talking about the title unification, this feels like a match where, like, the promotion really thought that these guys were going to have a great match, and I think these two guys thought they were going to have a great match, and then they, like, got in the ring, and they're, like, in the middle of the match, and they... They, it feels like a match where they're trying to do all the stuff that you do in a good match. Like, I really judge that in the WWE. You always know if it starts with, uh, you know, lock up, hit the ropes, like one tackle, drop down, leapfrog, hip toss. Like, 
if they do an international spot at the beginning, that means that they think that they're having a great match because that's what you do at the beginning of a great match in air quotes, which as you always say are great for radio. But like this kind of felt like that to me where like they, they, they had put together the paint by numbers, uh, great match, but for whatever reason, it just like didn't come together. I think that there was so much faith in Ric Flair's ability to make anybody, particularly to make guys like Sting and the fact that they had had, you know, that amazing match back at uh, the, is it the first clash of the champions? That incredible, uh, almost. Mm -hmm. uh, Which they mentioned several times during this match. And and yeah, sorry, but continue. Yeah, they mentioned several times, like, and it's really bad juxtaposition because you're like, that's a great match. And this is dog shit. Yeah, and I think that you you used the word distracting of Sherry. Once again, I think in the direction of this match, they keep cutting to her for reaction shots and like she's yeah. she has a great she has a great heel face and we've talked about that a lot and she makes great reaction faces like she she manages like a wrestler like when you know the she like registers the stuff on her face. But it's like they keep giving these close-ups of her in this match like she's doing that. But she really isn't doing that. She's just kind of watching the match like a zombie. And then, like, all of a sudden she snaps into, like, okay, time to do the stuff mode. It's a little it's a little off. Like I said, it feels like someone laid out this match and really thought it was going to be great and, like, put every piece into position. And then for whatever reason, and like you said, it seems like if you look at the three people – it seems like of the three performers in or around the ring, it does seem, I even said yesterday that like, you know, it's like when you, she gives Sting a crossbody, you can see that like Sting has trouble basing her crossbody and like he shouldn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a sloppy match from him. And it's a really, I don't want to say crisp match because she's a little bit past her. She's been wrestling at this point for God. Uh a really long time she started this is this is nine years now but i mean she was involved in wrestling since 74 she tried to get into wrestling from like 74 like she's been involved in the business for a while so she's not doing the spectacular off the top rope splashes but like she gets off the top rope and hits sting decently far away and it looks good but i i feel like there's this real problem with the way the match is planned out because the idea is that at the end of the match, Sting is going to get his comeuppance, I guess. I guess, like, that's almost where it's going. But it's really to set up, and here's the secret, it's really to set up a confrontation between Sherry, Flair, and Hulk Hogan. That's what the problem with this match is, is it's an afterthought, because the real money for them is with Hogan and Flair. And it's pretty much like the earliest example of the infestation of Hulkamania into WCW. It, they literally have a title unification match for their two world heavyweight championships. And then they're like, oh, but Hogan is the real contender, not these two guys that were just champions and fought in the Clash of the Champions at Clash of the Champions. It's Hulk Hogan's the fucking worst. He like like Moolah and Hogan just throughout Sherry's entire career seem to be like a haunting figure. <laughs> that kind of overbearing person that ruins the payoff for a lot of shit. Well, once again, I think kind of like Dusty in the tag match earlier, I mean, you had main event wrestlers and main event wrestlers who came up in the 70s and 80s 
were really good at identifying who was good and glomming onto them. And like, it's, it's predatory, but it's also how a lot of the best stuff in the history of the business happened. You know what I mean? That it's like, it's a, the classic, whatever, if you think back to like death of WCW and that kind of whole read of WCW, right. Was everybody was trying to find the successful person and glom onto them. And then that person dried up and six months or a year later, you had to find the next successful person and glom onto them. And then six months later, the next and the next, you know what I mean? And I think that Hogan knew how good Sherry was from being around her. And like I said, it's clear by the way the company positioned her that they really understood her equity. And I think that, as you said, while she was past her physical prime as a wrestler, or a bump taker, she was still much more capable than say John Tenta or Big Boss Man or Brutus Beefcake of giving Hogan the same juice that he had had in 86, 87 or 88. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I really do like the end of this match. I like the after match beatdown of Sting. I think there are a lot of good parts to what happens here, but I think there's a very clear reason why the Sherry's eventually moved out of the main event. I think that I don't want to say she's diminished, but she is best served being away from the main event for basically the longevity of her career because Hogan will devour her heat because he's a heat miser and he wants all the heat for himself. He's, He's not... Nick, I am going to write a Hulk Hogan Heat Miser parody song now and fucking sing it in my Hulk Hogan voice. That's that's going to happen. People can get excited for that. (laughs) But it's really... You understand why she moves on to Harlem Heat as I could see her advocating for something. I, I don't know the backstory behind it, but there's this... It's good that this is... She touches the main event. She becomes an important part of a major turn that eventually leads to like Sherry automatically, like you said last time, automatically makes Flair a bad guy, especially after they both, they both turn on sting in a meaning like Flair's obviously going to turn on sting, but like Sherry also turning on sting makes it like a conspiracy against sting. And I, I understand the purpose she serves and I'm okay with the idea of her moving past that. Cause I don't want her ruined. I would rather see her with Harlem Heat than with whoever they can get. I don't want her to be, um, God, baby doll in NWA, where she's just kind of the person that when she's a face, she's a certain type of, like, I just want Sherry. I want the Sherry I I know and love because I think that's the one that's going to work best. And she basically is allowed to do that where I think they would have had to change the character by either joining her with Hogan eventually or having her show so much ass that it kind of, because that's the uh, something we talk about a bunch on the show. WCW ran through everything so quickly that you imagine Sherry would have been in the main event of every single pay-per-view for six months and then she would have been like Glacier's manager at some point. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And I think... I think once again, it shows that they really understood what they had with her, that they, they kind of dropped her down into like yesterday when you asked me what she could be as a wrestler, I said like a William Regal, they like kind of slide her down into this role. And as I said yesterday, it's not a case of her seeming diminished. It really is like a priming the pump where like she brings the kind of rising mid carters up to her. And I think it's one of the rare times WCW like didn't burn somebody out that way. It's, it's kind of miraculous, actually. Once again, it it speaks to just her being a talent and like, whether it's Eric Bischoff 
Kevin Sullivan, you know, Robert Fuller, Robert Parker, you know, whoever, like clearly all the, like, I well, not, not the Bischoff's an old school wrestling mind, but all the people who were assembled there in WCW really knew what they had with her. And I think like she's, she, in terms of their use of people, this week has really taught me that I think that she was one of the best in like a company that, that kind of struggled to position people in their best possible light. I think she's someone they really got a lot out of over many years. She's one of the few people where she could be in whatever you would call like the WCW hall of fame and the WWE hall of fame for not her accomplishments in WWE. It's like her and Hogan and a couple of maybe one or two other people. Like she was really had a hall of fame career in both leagues. And that's really impressive. Uh, And I, I think maybe, I don't want to say the pinnacle of her work uh, was the marriage. She didn't actually get married, right? The the sham, ma- oh, sham wow marriage uh, between her and Parker uh, that eventually leads to the match at World War Three that we're going to talk about in a minute. But I really wanted quick to talk about the wedding video at the Little Wedding Chapel in Las Vegas. Um we talked about Lost in Cleveland a couple weeks ago. This is like Lost in Cleveland adjacent, uh, adjacent, uh, except that I like, you, I like how you abbreviated that for a minute, but then you clarify. Yeah, it'd be terrible. I don't. I, I'm, I'm not that mage. Uh, they there's this disjointed, wild quality to it, and uh, it's where you find out Sherry's like not a great actress, but a great comedian. Uh, I, I really like a lot of the jokier spots in this just because she's so over the top and it's so bad. It's literally like watching community theater. It's it's kind of one of those, wow, wrestling's really fun when it's really shitty kind of things. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, um, brother of friend of the show, Ron Fuller, uh, Robert Parker, uh he is, I've seen an interview with him where he talks about doing the Colonel Parker character. And originally it was like, uh, Sid came to him and he was like, Hey, you know, I, I need a manager. How about this? Do you think you can be like a Southern Colonel? I think that would be great for you. And so he said at first he kind of played it like he was just, you know, the Tennessee stud Robert Fuller. Uh, but then like it was Sid who was like, nah, man, that it, you're not supposed to be like the star. You're just supposed to be this obnoxious character, man. Like I'm going to have to find another manager if you don't turn into Colonel Sanders. And so he just turned into Colonel Sanders and like that sketch, as you say, it's like a, it's, it's, it's like a piece of surrealist film where like, it's not really clear if it takes place in this world or dimension, or if those people are real in any substantive way, it's, it's really, really strange. Broadly strange. Yeah, it's it is that surrealist film is the best way to put it. It is this weird clusterfuck of a thing. It's it's unscripted, basically, as far as I can tell. There's a weird part where she's getting dressed and her feet are hanging outside of the limo because Robert Parker has bet all of his money away in Las Vegas and Gene Okerlund decides this is the time he's going to offer to walk Sherry down the aisle. And there's this like really sweet moment where she agrees and he's sincerely happy for maybe the first time he's ever been on television. It's it's so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it is like the 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 like uh the the Randy and Liz wedding reception or something like that, where it's just like 
it really is someone acting like wrestling is real, but acting like 1990s wrestling is real. Like not acting like some, you know, gritty mid 80s Crockett or some 60s or 70s down south wrestling that you can't see through. It's not like they're acting like that's real. They're acting like Colonel Sanders is real. <laughs> it's. Well, Colonel Sanders was real. Harlan Sanders is a real person. Sorry, just to clarify. I know that. Don't add me. <laughs> add him. Add him. Drag his ass, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Yaz Queen. Sorry. I get really excited with Twitter speak. Um, <laughs> it's it's something. I really want. I've always. Yas Queen is one of the ones that, like, I've always wanted to say, but I leave that one alone. It's like, it's not for me. <laughs> I, I let the people for who it's for enjoy it, and I really enjoy it. It's like one of my favorites, but I don't say or type it. Or imply it with texts, a la the trailer for cockblockers. <laughs> or sorry, blockers, with a picture of a rooster in the background. And then, like, is it, does it have the no cocks on it? I think some versions of the, yeah, yes. <laughs> I think some versions of the poster did. Uh, sorry. Uh, I saw the first half of that movie. It was all right. Yeah, I heard, it got good reviews, and it's supposed to be, like, pretty, like, uh, progressive in terms well, of, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, we're, so, uh other words I don't use. Let's go. Move on. Move on. Move on. Um, that that absurdist kind of presentation really extends to the match that uh, eventually leads to the bluff, which is the amazing French Canadians versus Harlem Heat, and the amazing French Canadians have Colonel Parker in like a French Foreign Legion, French Foreign Legion, uh, French Foreign Legion. Uh, I like colonel's outfit it's um he's so good he's amazing and this match has a the you mentioned it but i feel like i i held it in my heart first so i'm gonna his hair uh whichever one whichever of the rougeos it is his jacques Jacques, hair is a top three like worst wrestling worst wrestling hair ever it's can you describe it, Dave? Because you're better with the words than I am. So it, it, it appears, based on the back and sides of his hair, that he maybe has his hair grown out like someone who might wear a hairpiece on like fancy occasions. But I can't think of a fancier occasion than being on national TV and he's choosing not to in that moment. So it's like real thick and long, like, like my hair, if you've ever seen my hair, uh, on the sides and down the back. And then like a uh, kind of a Waylon Mercy era. Uh, uh, oh my God, what's that guy's name? Waylon Mercy. Uh, Skullet, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, 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 I was trying to think of his act. Dan Spivey. Oh, Dan. Sort of a Waylon, uh, Waylon Mercy era Dan Spivey on top. It's, 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 that this match is an essential viewing literally for that hair. It is some next level. It, it is distractingly bad. It's just like certain wrestlers, there's there's guys where like you see matches and, and I, I like kind of will joke to my wife sometimes, like like with Kurt Angle, when you see some Kurt Angle stuff, when you're literally like, I hope this is three days before he cut his hair. You know what I mean? With like the wrestler who clearly doesn't want to be bald on TV, doesn't isn't confident that they'll look good with a shaved head, which like Jacques Rudeau does have a shaved head now, it looks great. You know what I mean? But like uh but but it's just yeah, it's that moment of a guy like 
two days before he admits that he's bald and and, and like starts cutting his hair different. You know, it's, yeah, it's, this is like hair rock and, bottom. It's it's real. And not the rock bottom, like rock bottom, like I have to go to AA, but for... <laughs> and I will say, I will say, anybody who's a longtime listener knows my incredible devotion to like late 80s WWF tag teams and that, you know, in that time, like 88, 89, 90, like Jacques Rougeau is a, was a great wrestler, great tag team wrestler. He's a great wrestler in this match too, even though obviously kind of um, a little past it cosmetically and partially for reasons that we've described. But but I'm a big fan of Jacques Rougeau. I'm not, I'm not dragging him. I'm just saying that he should have cut his hair the day before this, not the day after it. Uh, it's actually a pretty good match and has a great ending. A fantastic ending. Holy smoke. So, so they, so that the fabulous French Canadians get like the, the ring steps and a table and they like stack them up in the corner and Dusty's calling it, oh, they going for the plunder, baby. And then like, they, they, they joke about them, like, cause it's, it's Heenan, Shivani and Dusty and like who are really good in this who are really good and really invested, but also definitely like Heenan and Dusty both have a tendency towards smart assery. And like, that's just not Tony Schiavone's strength. He was a great announcer, actually one of my kind of personal favorites. I think someone who's super underrated, but you know, he never really dragged people back when they, when they would kind of start poking fun at the stuff like that. But in this match, they're kind of poking fun at like, oh, they got all the gimmicks from under the ring. Oh, they're building this big tower of doom, fucking Yurtle the turtle, ladder to heaven kind of deal, whatever. And then fucking PCO, uh, Ouellette, Carl Ouellette, the one with the eye patch, jumps off the top of it, like does the old Rougeau brothers deal where he's like up on Jacques' shoulders and does like a flip senton from what looks like it's like 10 feet above the ring misses the ring moves the center of the ring depresses like 10 inches when he hits it it's so impressive and all the announcers are just like blown away yeah they're just like what the fuck and then booker flies into frame and nails the harlem hangover with his leg like perfectly across pierre willette's throat it is incredible it is an it is incredible 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 tag team finish that like it's a worthy tag team finish. That's like a tag team main event, like Midnight Express with gimmicks type type deal type finish. Just one of the great tag team finishes I have ever seen with like the, like I said, the heels setting up all the stuff, setting up the big doomsday device, and then just completely it hitting it. And the, the exciting young baby face just flying in and crushing the guy's fucking head with his move. It's just, it is an incredible finish. Yeah, it's really like this match is a fun match, totally worth watching. That finish is like mind-blowingly good. It it it, it comes almost and you watch it happen, you're like, oh cool, oh cool, oh cool. Oh shit. Like what the fuck? Usually they tease that spot. I literally texted you. I literally texted you, man, just in all caps, M-A-N, just man, the second I saw that spot where like I said, he hits the center of the ring and the center of the ring like goes down like there's a spring under the ring. Like they said there wasn't that expose uh, movie that was totally fake that we talked about in previous episodes. But it's it's crazy. So we didn't mention, but that end spot leads to this. St- there's a stipulation for the match, which is that Sherry gets five minutes, the old classic, the cornet uh, stipulation where you get five minutes at the end of the match with uh, Parker and the entire match, they are the announcers who, again, great in this match, are fucking giddy about Sherry getting in the ring with Parker because they know she's going to stiff 
the shit out of him. And holy fuck, does she stiff the shit out of him. Oh, yeah. She gives him one pretty stinking good clothesline. And he takes a good bump because, I mean, Robert Fuller could could throw a punch and bleed and talk and take a bump. Like, you know, classic heels. The great, 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 great wrestler. But, uh, like, he takes this tremendous bump on the first clothesline. And then he feeds up into a second clothesline, which is just thunderous it's tremendous she doesn't she she like holds her arm like way out straight and just charges her whole body like a football player like a football lineman in the 60s or 70s clotheslining someone she uses her whole body with her arm extended and obliterates him and he takes this great bump and like kicks his feet up in the air like uh like he's Elmer Fudd or whatever. It's just tremendous. And Dusty and Tony and Brain just all pop through the roof. Even when they're trying to transition to the next segment, they're still all just giggling and looking at each other because like they're so geared up to see her pounce on him. And when she does, she gives him two incredible shots. And also she pops him in the face to start it off and they lose their shit. It's like a roast, and she did just like a mic drop. They're just like wiling out when she. It's so good. It's what that match is. That the the two matches are great uh, for a couple of different reasons. The announcing is great. Cherry is just awesome, and they're so like we talked about. We've talked about this entire time. Everybody loves Sherry, so they're all... Re- the reason they popped so hard is because they were really excited to get Sherry... To see Sherry get the chance to do that. Like, to get the payoff for an actual feud and get to beat the shit out of somebody the way God intended. It's awesome. I loved this match. From the ending of the previous match through the, like, three minutes that this Parker-Sherry thing is going, and they actually use the World War Three set the three separate rings really well to like get him separation from her and to make it very visual and allow them to like build up to stuff instead of just having her beat the shit out of him and then just like sit on top of him and punch him. He like gets away. She has to chase him. It's really good visually. And I just love, this is like the top of the line shit for me. She was fucking awesome in this. Yeah, definitely. I, like you said, I loved, uh, both him trying to hide from her and she has to go get him to get her time with him. And then ultimately, like when he bails out and the 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 Rougeau and Oulette like help him get to the back. She doesn't get the full five minutes. I don't think anybody ever got the full five minutes with the manager. Unless you were really blowing it off, you know what I mean? But but yeah, the, the visual of him running away from her is is really, really great. And it's like it's it's, it's not that she never did anything good again, and it's not like she died shortly after this, but it's almost like this is that moment where, like, if you're, if you're doing the biopic, or biopic, I never know how you say it, uh, if you're doing the biopic, I think this is, like, when you fade to black, can't play, don't stop believing, and the credits start rolling. You know what I mean? Like, this is a triumphant moment as of i said like in the last episode this is a triumphant moment of someone who portrayed like a very sexualized but also self-empowered woman at a time in wrestling when that like wasn't really a thing and 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 this is right before like nwo i mean when you talk about this kind of silly ass uh you know colonel parker versus sherry angle this is really like what nwo obliterated this is what nwo changed after nwo you can't do silly stuff like that 
anymore. But like, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, it is just like a perfect kind of crowning moment of her still at the height of her powers just before wrestling kind of spun away from the stuff that she was so good at. This was fun. This was a great episode, despite the fact that matches, uh, in terms of what we had to watch, I, I don't like to pat ourselves on the back ever. It's a bad idea. Um, you will get marks back there and you will not know they are there and they are very hard to wash out. So, but what I... Do you do you have a Barry Horowitz t-shirt, Nick? <laughs> no, I actually wear my real Americans shirt backwards all the time. You're just wearing it backwards? <laughs> uh, but no, I think this was a really fun episode to prepare for because she's just so awesome. Uh, she's really like... We, we didn't do essential viewings for like Bobby Heenan. I'm so happy that we we started up and are now doing essential viewings for stuff like this, where we really get to explore what made Sherry great in really specific ways. This was, this was a real pleasure to get to watch even these like interminably long, bad matches because she's so over the top great in this. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's kind of the magic of the manager. Like when you go back and you watch either other territories other than the WWF, uh, or you 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 watch that kind of eighty stuff where you had Heenan and you you know you you had Sherry and you had Slick and you you had this whole kind of coterie of managers. I think that's kind of part of the magic is like when you have two people, two people have to have a match and have to fill the time. And just like when you have three people, there's more things that you can do with three people. And I'm not talking about like a triple threat match where you're constantly throwing one person out, but I mean that just like if someone has a second. You can do a lot of stuff that's not wrestling. And when you watch wrestling now, all they do is talk and wrestle. It's like, but the manager helps you do all that other stuff that's not talking and wrestling, that still fills time where people can be entertained, where nobody is taking bumps where they could get hurt. It's just that like everything else in the match, it's like, you know, two heads are better than one, three heads are are better than two, I think, or can be in the right scenario. Yeah, um, so... Do you have anything you wanted to plug in particular? Oh, well, just as always, uh, you know, my Twitter at Dave Wright's Junk, uh, The Wrestling Estate, uh, the uh, our account at H-W-E-T-W-Pod, just the normal goodness. Uh, and you can check me out at the Nixer, that's T-H-E-N-1-C-K-S-T-E-R. You can check us out at HowWrestlingExplains.Podbean.com. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Store and Pocket Cast, I presume. I don't think we have time for Pocket Cast news this week, but uh Oh wait, wait, I do I have breaking oh. I have breaking news. Okay. Well well I have breaking news of like uh you know like you know like last year I think it was where the dude said that he like, oh I have proof that Roman Reigns did steroids, but then it was Luther Reigns. Do you remember that? Yes. I had kind of one of those like bogus tips that that's constantly bleeding into high quality wrestling programming like ours. I, I just wanna I, I, you know, I told you recently that I've had kind of a breakdown with my people at podcast. Um, and I had someone actually a listener, uh, or at least a one-time listener. I don't know if they're a regular, I don't know if I can trust them anymore, but I, I did have someone reach out to me via DM on Twitter, uh, offering to give me some more insight. So they, 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 you know, I gave them my address, which I probably shouldn't have done, uh, in, in retrospect, don't DM people, your, your mailing address, unless you really know them kids, but they, they said they would send me you know, information about what was up with pocket cast and that they could answer all the questions and, and give me kind of the definitive goods. So the package came this morning and um, I opened it. And unfortunately it was just, it was a big cast action figure. So they sent me a pocket cast and uh, I was really mad about that. Just like people are probably really mad that they just wasted like 40 seconds listening to that setup. Well, they come up with some plunder of their own here. 
Now the Mather Fritz Canadians got some plunder in the ring. What in the world? Well, I hope he don't drop that thing there. I'll see you. He's right. My well, goodness. I think they're trying to make some type of stage here. I think they are, too. I think they want to get up and have a filibuster. They're building a clubhouse. Well, the referee, is he still prone, Tone? Yes, the referee is down, Dust. And, well, y'all, watching this thing like I am. Stevie Ray. Oh, no, man, I'm going to tell you what. Is way down. He can't get up from that spike pile driver. How high is this high above? This is from the ceiling, guys. This is from the ceiling. He was waiting on him. You bet he was. Wow. Out goes Rougeau. Nobody home. And now it's high on Heat's turn. Oh, somebody home on that one. Get a cover, ref. Referee's up in one, two, three. Uh -oh. Yes. Get her in there. Uh-oh. Get her in there. And she won't lock up with him. I'll guarantee you that. Like I said on numerous occasions, we got another wall going here, and it's between a woman and a man, and it's going to be an old-fashioned dukester. Go get him, lady. Five minutes, you're right. Colonel Parker really upset at the Canadians. He's stomping around. Five minutes with Sherry would be like a lifetime for most people. Think of that. Oh, 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 oh. she's taking her shoes off. Turn him around, baby. Colonel. Hello, Colonel Parker. Girlfriend, she's leveled them. Right hand, and now the match commences. Boy, she's exposed a little bit too. She needs to be careful here and not get her tie ripped off. Well, this is pay-per-view. What the heck? Hit first. So you come home late for the time. You don't bring yeah. the milk in the bed. This is what happens to you, pal. Yeah, don't you, bet you about it. What do you mean an office party? Boy, look, he's a bobbing and a weaving, and he goes on the toe. Now, if she goes out and gets him, we're really in for it. Well, that's she's going. She's going to get her five minutes through. Well, he's trying to escape here. Yeah, she's out. She's just stalking him like a lion. Colonel Parker. That, oh, that's good. That's right here in front of her. Try to ring number two. Rip his drawers off, baby. She's clotheslined. She's clotheslined. She's clotheslined. And knocked him out of his boots almost. My goodness, that lady. She got him again. Again. Oh, she's girded up too, boys. She's going up on top. Oh, boy, right out of here. I'll go get him, darling. I'm going to hide my eyes. I'm looking up at the full moon. Oh, man. Cover him. One, two. He kicked out. He kicked out. Oh, man, this is crazy. This is crazy. And they're talking him off. She ain't through with him. She's got five minutes. She's going to get all five, believe me. Colonel did nothing. She beat him from the start of the match, oh. and she's after him right now. Lord have mercy. Oh, what a big boys and girls play. Oh. Oh, my goodness. We all have known that Sister Sherry in her day was a great ladies wrestler. Oh. I don't know if we're ready to come on camera or not. Move back so they can see me, man. This is crazy. <laughs> Let's she clotheslined sure. him twice. Oh, twice. Yes. Oh, man. my I'll goodness. I'll tell you what. We have had a lot going on here tonight. And here among the poor, scientists, despicable, oppressive, misinformed. Must be